Well, if you have your Bible, I would like you to turn to 1 Corinthians. It's really good to be back with you. I'm saying I'm, I'm getting familiar with this place. And I enjoy it. I enjoy the people. It's not just the place. I really enjoy all of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to talk this morning about how God has equipped you to serve. And while you're turning there, let me just give you a little background about this church of Corinth that was started on Paul's second missionary journey. You can read about that in Acts chapter 18. He spent about a year and a half, probably the longest stay that he stayed at any church other than Ephesus. Ephesus he stayed for about three years. But he spent about a year and a half and he's writing back now to them because after he left, there were just all kinds of problems. This was a church that was filled with problems. Of course, it was a church that was filled with people. And I don't know if you make the connection there. But sometimes churches filled with people are churches filled with problems. And this was a church that was filled with problems, a number of problems. They had doctrinal problems. They didn't understand anything about the resurrection. They had wrong views concerning the resurrection. They had moral problems. They were allowing sexual immorality to go on in the church. They were having questions and treating marriage and divorce and remarriage improperly. They were getting drunk at the Lord's table. That's why we use grape juice. Um, Just all kinds of problems in this church that Paul had to write. Well, in fact, I'll tell you how bad of a church it was. You can tell it wasn't a Baptist church, that's for sure. They didn't even know how to take an offering. So he had to write in chapter 16 and tell them how to take an offering. Well, one of the problems they also had had to do with this thing called spiritual gifts. And that's what we begin. You notice in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. And by the way, I'm just going to kind of ramble through 1 Corinthians 12 here and there. Especially the first 12 verses. But 1 Corinthians 12, notice what he starts off with. Now concerning spiritual gifts. In other words, there was something going on that wasn't quite right with this gifted church. And verse 1 sets the tone for what Paul wants to say regarding spiritual gifts and what we want to talk about today. So verse 1 says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. That word uninformed can mean a couple things. It can mean to lack intelligence. Or it can mean to lack information. Well, it's not the first one. This was a very intelligent church. They weren't stupid people. They were very intelligent people. They simply lacked information. So there are, some of your versions say they were ignorant in that way. They didn't understand it. And these Corinthian believers were misusing spiritual gifts, especially A gift called tongues, the gift of tongues. And Paul deals specifically with that in chapter 14. And so they just lacked information in general about spiritual gifts. And Paul takes chapter 12, 13, and 14 to correct the problems they were having and the misconceptions they were having concerning spiritual gifts. Now, if the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit did not want the Corinthian church to be uninformed about spiritual gifts... 
Obviously, he doesn't want us to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. He wants us to know some truths about spiritual gifts. So what are the truths that the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit would want us to know about spiritual gifts? I'm going to share with you six things that I think, six truths that I think that God would want you and I to know about spiritual gifts this morning. All right, first of all, we need to know what spiritual gifts are, all right? What they are. Now, this doesn't come from any specific text. You can't turn to any verse in the Bible, uh, any page in the Bible, and say, here's what a spiritual gift is, all right? But the understanding comes as we study them throughout the New Testament. So let me just give to you, and if you've got your outline this morning, you can fill this in. Let me give to you a little description, a little definition of spiritual gifts. It's a very generic definition. Spiritual gifts are the special spiritual abilities given to us by the Holy Spirit for ministry in the church. The special spiritual abilities given to us by the Holy Spirit for ministry in the church. There's three parts to that definition that are important for us to see. First of all, they are special spiritual abilities. Here's what that means. They are things we don't do naturally. They're not abilities that we're born with. The abilities we are born with are called talents. And does God want our talents? Of course he wants our talents. There are certain abilities that you're born with, certain talents you're born with that you can use for the kingdom of God and the church of God and the service of God that bring glory to God. You need to surrender your talents to him. But those are not spiritual gifts. Some people say, um, well, I have the gift of singing. That's not a spiritual gift because guess what? You can sing. Well, some of you can. You can sing before you were saved. Lost people sing. I remember asking a, a, a lady one time what her spiritual gift was, and she smiled, and with a just very cheerful voice, she said, cooking. And I wish more women had that gift, but it's not a gift. That's a natural talent, all right? Because there are people who can cook without being saved. They don't need to have the Holy Spirit to cook. So a spiritual gift is a special spiritual ability. It's not natural. That's a talent. Gifts are spiritual. They can be done in the flesh. That's what the church of Corinth was doing. They were performing many of these gifts in the flesh. And instead of bringing glory to God, and instead of bringing edification to the body, it was resulting in division and absolute chaos. So they are special spiritual abilities. Not only that, we said they are given to us by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice this if you go down to verse 11 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll look at this verse a number of times. But notice what Paul says here in verse 11. All these, and I'm reading out the ESV, so yours may be a little bit different uh, translation. All these... And the these refer back to verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10. In verses 8 through 10, Paul gives us a list of some of the spiritual gifts in this church. And so he says all these, those gifts in verses 8 through 10, are empowered by one and the same Spirit. Do you see that? They come from the Spirit. They're empowered by the Spirit. He apportions to each one individually as he wills. They are his gifts given to us. We didn't earn them. We don't deserve them. We're not born with them, but they are divinely and sovereignly given to us by God's Spirit. 
So they are special spiritual abilities given to us by the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, they are for ministry in the church. And I'm not going to talk about that now. I'm just going to state that, okay? So that's what we need to know. That's what gifts are. We need to know what gifts are. That's what they are. They are special spiritual abilities given to us by the Holy Spirit for ministry in the church. Secondly, we need to know when these gifts were given. When did we receive these gifts? Well, it just makes sense, doesn't it? If spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit, it stands to reason that you receive it when you receive the Holy Spirit. And when did you receive the Holy Spirit? Conversion, right? Paul says this, and you can look at it up here, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. He says, in him, that's Christ, in Christ, You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, when you exercise faith, when you ask Jesus Christ, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you believed in him. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's when you got the Holy Spirit. That's when you got your gift. He's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So when you received Christ, he gave you his spirit. Your spirit lives in you right now. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, 20, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have of God who is in you? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. So when you receive Christ, he gave you his spirit. He's the guarantee of your salvation. And at that time, he gave you a spiritual gift or maybe two or three spiritual gifts. You don't have all of them, but you at least have one of them. And he empowers you to use it in serving Christ in his church. Matter of fact, you know, it's interesting. The word gift in verse 1 When he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, the Greek word for that is charisma. Charisma. That comes from the Greek word charis. Charis is translated in our Bibles, grace. So when did you experience God's grace? You experience God's grace when you ask Christ to come into your heart and save you from your sin. When you receive Christ, you experience his grace, his charisma, or his charis, excuse me. At that time, you got the gift, charisma. So you received your gift at the time of your salvation. Thirdly, we need to know how gifts function. For that, look at verses 4 through 6. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. Now, in those three verses, there are three very important truths about how spiritual gifts function. Let's look at them, because each verse contains one truth. Verse 4, he says this, there are varieties of gifts. Here's the truth. We don't all have the same gift. Do you know that? There's a variety of gifts, and why are there a variety of gifts? Because there's a variety of people. So he gives different gifts to different people. The Holy Spirit gives various gifts to various people as he determines. Not everyone in this auditorium this morning has, for instance, and I'll just use this as an example, has the gift of teaching, or has the gift of helps, or the gift of giving, or the gift of encouragement, or the, or the gift of administrations. There are different gifts. We don't all have the same one. 
And we don't have time this morning, because I'm only doing this in one sermon. We don't have time this morning to identify all of the gifts. That would take many messages. But you see on your outline that I have identified for you the passages in where the gifts are given to us. Those passages are in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Two times the list is given to us here in this chapter in 1 Corinthians 12. One in verses 8 through 10, like I said before. And then at the very end in verse 28, Paul goes over them again. He states them in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he states gifts in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. I'm not going to have you turn there, but I want you to notice something unique about 1 Peter 4 and what Peter has to say about spiritual gifts. So just look up here. He says, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another. That verifies something we just said. It tells us that we all as believers have received a spiritual gift. And it tells us what it's for. Okay, it is so that we can serve one another. So he says, as good stewards, uh, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. A stewardship simply means this. It's something that's entrusted to you that you're going to give an account for. Did you know that? In other words, you've received a spiritual gift. God gave you that gift. It is the spoils of Christ's death. It is the result of the working of grace in your life through the Holy Spirit. And you're going to give an account for how you use that spiritual gift. So he says, as good stewards of God's very grace. And then he says this, verse 11, get this. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever, what? Serves. As one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, is the ultimate purpose for your spiritual gift. That God would receive the glory. But what I want you to draw attention to is verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. All of the gifts. If you take all of the gifts... From Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. If you take all of those gifts and you boil them all down, guess what? They fall into two categories. You either have a serving gift or you have a speaking gift. So there are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. But we don't all have the same gift. That's the first truth that he wants to give to us. Secondly, verse 5. Here's the second truth he wants to give to us about how gifts function. Verse 5 says there are varieties of service. Here's what he means by that. Truth number two, we don't all have the same arena of ministry. We don't all have the same arena or area of ministry. What I mean by that is simply this. We don't all serve in the same place and we don't all serve in the same way. Obviously, I mean, if you total up uh, the gifts, you only got 20-some gifts. And there's a lot more than 20 people sitting in here. Okay, just in this church alone, there's a lot more than 20 people. Which means there's going to be duplicate gifts. All right? Some gifts are going to be duplicated. In other words, there are going to be a number of you in here who have the gift of teaching, a number of you in here who have the gift of giving, or the gift of leadership, or the gift of serving, or the gift of helps, or the gift of administration. And you can go on and on and on with some of those gifts. But not everyone will have the same gift. That's what we taught in the first truth. What this truth teaches us is that even if some of us may have the same gift, we will not use it the same way. We'll not use it in the same area of service. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Let me take again just the gift of teaching. 
Let's say, let's say a person has the gift of teaching and they teach large crowds, okay? But there might be another person who has a gift of teaching and can't stand to be in front of large crowds. But they love to teach small groups. Or another person has a gift of teaching and they love to teach children. Or another person has a gift of teaching and they love to teach youth. Or another person has the gift of teaching and they love to mentor one-on-one. Or maybe there's a man who has the gift of teaching and he just wants to teach men. Or a woman who has the gift of teaching and she just wants to teach women. It's that spiritual gift. It's a different arena. It's the same gift, but it's a different arena of service. So don't think, listen, beloved, don't think you don't have the same gift as someone else simply because you're not interested in the same arena of ministry that they are. There are some of you sitting out there that have the gift of teaching who are saying to yourself, I would never stand up here, right? You get that. You understand that. The church I came from that I retired from We have a youth pastor, his name's David, fantastic, fantastic. I'm trying to get him and Sheldon together someday. And uh, just a fantastic guy. And I mean, he loves the kids, he loves the youth, he's a great teacher, he's a strong discipler. The kids just love him, and when he gets up to speak, I mean, he speaks the word of God, he speaks truth, he challenges them deeply, but that guy, when he gets in front of adults, I can you, when he gets in front of adults, his voice goes up three octaves. And the words come out 100 miles per second because he gets so nervous. He says, I, I could never pastor a church. I could, I could never stand in front of adults, but he could stand in front of 70 or 80 kids. And he can teach them. It's a different arena of service for him. So we don't all have the same gift. We don't all have the same ministry, the same arena of service. One more important truth that Paul gives here about the way spiritual gifts function, verse 6, there are variety of varieties of activities. So the third truth is this, we don't all have the same results. We don't all have the same results. That's what that word activities means. It, mean, it refers to the effect. How does this affect people? In the context of spiritual gifts, it has to do with how the spiritual gift affects the people of the church. And what Paul is saying is even if some of you have the same gift and even if some of you have the same arena of ministry, you still won't necessarily have the same effect or the same result. I've been uh, following periodically when, I, when I'm not speaking here. I've come, come to just come, like I said, to enjoy your church. So I'll do, do your, uh, I don't do your live stream, but I'll catch your service maybe on Monday or Tuesday and, and that kind of thing. And I see you've had some other speakers in here who teach. And that kind of thing. But guess what? They have a different effect than what I have. They have different results than what I have. We don't, we don't all have the same results. They all seem to feel comfortable standing up here teaching a larger group of people. But the results or the effect or the way you heard them or, or how they taught wasn't the same. Does that make sense? And by the way, that's true with all the gifts. I'm just using teaching as an example. That's true with all the gifts. Different arenas of service, different effects for them you know why God does that he does that so that you and I will understand that even though we're a part of a whole we must function interdependently with each other now I didn't say independently I said interdependently in other words we use our gifts 
for each other, but they're unique. We make a unique contribution to the church. Do you realize that? Every one of you here who knows Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you a gift, has the ability to make a unique contribution to the body of Christ. Unique contribution. This is the great, I mean, you know, I've always said this. I've always said, look, if you can do the same thing that I can do, in the same area or arena that I do it in and get the same results that I get, one of us isn't needed. Right? And I'm going to vote for me. This is the great thing about God. People, He has made each of us special and unique, and He has given each of us one or more spiritual abilities by which we can honor Him and be a blessing to other peoples and, and people and find joy and satisfaction in our lives. And yes, I mean, you can find joy. You know what's interesting? Remember when I told you at the beginning that the word charis is grace and the word charisma? is the word gift, guess what? They come from the root word kara, which means joy. So when you experience the grace of God and get your gift of God and you use it for the glory of God, guess what? You get filled with the joy of God. God has made it that way. He's made it that way. I pity Christians. I do. I, I pity Christians who don't discover and use their spiritual gift because... You go through life never understanding your spiritual purpose, never having made your unique contribution to the body of Christ, and never experienced the personal joy of being used by God to bring honor to Him and blessings to others. By the way, it's never too late to start, okay? Matter of fact, if you're, still, if you're still alive, and some of you, in order to check that, you may need to take your pulse. But if you still feel something beating in there, and you're still alive, you're still expected to serve God with your spiritual gift. It's not too late to begin that. So, what do we need to know? We need to know what spiritual gifts are. We've talked about that. We need to know when they were given. We've talked about that. We need to know how they function. We've talked about that. Let's go forthly. Fourth thing that we need to know is who are spiritual gifts given to? Who are spiritual gifts given to? Who receives a spiritual gift? And for that, I want you to notice verse 7 and verse 11 because twice in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul specifically mentions who receives spiritual gifts. Look at verse 7. To each is given, to each is given. Did you circle that? Some of your versions say each one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 11, look at these. All these, referring back again to the gifts in verses 8 through 10. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Each one. Man, I love that. You know what that says? You realize what verse 11 is saying? He is saying, not only did he give you a gift... I mean, it's not like God just took gifts and here's a crowd of people and he just you know, threw them up in the air and spit them out and whatever fall on you, that's what you get. That's not how he did gifts. Look at what he says. He not only gave you your gift, he specifically chose the gift that was just for you. Verse 11, 
He apportioned to each one individually. He knew how he made you. He knew how he wanted you to glorify him and how he wanted you to function in the body of Christ. And he gave you this gift or maybe a couple gifts by which you can do that. Every person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ was given at least one spiritual gift specifically designed for you. Nobody, I mean nobody here who's a child of God has been left out when the Holy Spirit passed out gifts. I remember talking to a lady one time. She heard me teaching about spiritual gifts. She came up to me and says, she said, well, she said, I just got to tell you something, Pastor Mike. When, when God passed out gifts, he forgot about me. I, I just can't do anything. I'm not good at anything. And I know you're sitting here today and maybe some of you feel like that. But I told this lady, well, then that only leaves one or two options. And she said, what's that? Well, I said, number one is that God's a liar. Or number two is that you fall into the same category as the Corinthian believers did, that you're just uninformed about spiritual gifts. That's the problem. I vote for number two because I know God isn't a liar, right? So the truth of it is that he has given believers spiritual gifts. Simply because you do not know what your spiritual gifts are or simply because you have not ever used your spiritual gift does not mean that God did not give you one, okay? Let me emphatically say to you again, every believer has at least one spiritual gift. One spiritual gift. Paul wanted the Corinthian believers to know that. I believe... Paul and the Holy Spirit wants us to know that. Fifthly, we need to know how spiritual gifts are given. How spiritual gifts are given. How how did you receive this gift? What determined, maybe a better question is, what determined what gift you got? Okay? Look at verse 11 again. And let me say this before I read the verse. The Holy Spirit is the one who produces these gifts and determines which and how many gifts each believer has. Okay? The Holy Spirit does that. So how were the, Spirit, how were the gifts given? They were given by the Holy Spirit as he determined. Look at verse 11. All these, those gifts again, verses 8 through 10, plus all the other spiritual gifts, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually the last three words, as he what? As he wills. Or as the NIV says, as he determines. Or the New American Standard says, just as he will. Or the Revised Standard says, just as he chooses. Or the New Living Translation says, he alone decides which gift every person should have. You see, one of the problems concerning spiritual gifts that Paul had to write about to correct in this church of Corinth were that people were saying that unless you had certain gifts, and especially it was the gift of tongues, unless you had that particular gift, you weren't spiritual. Or you weren't as spiritual. Thus, everyone needed the gift of tongues. Everybody should be speaking the gift of tongues. And Paul answers that at the very end, verse 29 and 30. He said, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all pastors? Are all teachers? Do all do this? Do all prophesy? And and the rhetorical question that the answer is obviously no to each one. He said, do all speak in tongues? He's trying to correct that, but he said, no, no. You don't have all those gifts. Okay? 
So you need to understand that. You need to understand that this was the problem that was going on here. That it's not up to men and women, Paul says, as to what kind of spiritual gift. I mean, they had people who were praying that God would give them this gift. We find that today, don't we? You don't pray that God would give you a certain gift. You pray that God would reveal to you the gift he's given to you and to help you know how to use that for his glory. That's what you pray. Because he's already determined the gift. He's already given it to you. Each spiritual gift is important and essential, not only to you, but more important to the well-being and growth of the church, the body of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's decision, my friend, as to how you're going to make your unique contribution to the church. Now, one more thing I think we need to know. Why were spiritual gifts given? Why were spiritual gifts given? Okay? Why, do, why, why does God want us to have spiritual gifts? What purpose do spiritual gifts really serve? Let me suggest two purposes, and I'm not telling you that there's only two. I'm just telling you that I only got time for two. Okay? So let me give you two purposes for spiritual gifts. Please get this one. Spiritual gifts are given to give a complete picture of Christ. Spiritual gifts are given to give give a complete picture of Christ. Now you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, listen, if we were to keep reading in 1 Corinthians, verses 14 through 31, we've basically been in the first 12 verses. But if we were to go on and read verses 14 to 31, you would see that Paul uses an analogy to describe the body of Christ. He uses the human body, the feet, the eyes, the hands, the ears, the nose, you know, all the parts of the human body. And he uses the analogy of the human body to get us to see our relationship as members of the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. If you, in chapter 12, drop down to verse 30. Look at what it says, or verse 27, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Do you see that? You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now hold on to that thought that you and I are the body of Christ and think about something with me, okay? Paul says that the church, each of us, makes up the body of Christ, okay? What's lacking? Anybody want to take a guess? What's lacking? A head. You want to be a body with no head? I think they have TV programs like that. But that's, there's a head lacking. So what good is a body without a head? Now, if you would, do me a favor. Hold your finger in 1 Corinthians 12 and go over a few pages to the right to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to read something. I want you to see this. And those of you that didn't have a Bible, it'll be up here, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 11, Paul says this, And he, Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Now those are gifted offices. Those are offices, and those are people who have that particular spiritual gift, but they also serve in that office. So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and here's the purpose of why he gave them, to equip the saints, that's all you, to do the work of ministry for the building up the building up of the body of Christ. That's what it's for. It builds up the body of Christ 
until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes now get verse 5 rather speaking the truth in love get this now we are to grow up in every way into him who is the what the head guess what we have a body with no head now we got a head who's the head Christ the head is Christ so isn't that interesting think about this Jesus is the head we're the body he's the head verse 6 from whom from the head the whole body that's us joined and held together by every joint which is it is equipped when each part oh get this get this when each part is working properly when each part of what each part of the body who's the parts of the body you are I am when each part of the body is working properly, when each of us is doing what we've been gifted to do, look what happens. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Stop and think about this. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, we are the body, but we're not the head. But here in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul tells us that Christ is the head, but not the body. When Jesus lived on this earth, think with me here now. When Jesus lived on this earth, he had a body and a head, right? Because he was a human. He had a body and a head, and guess what? He manifested in his life and displayed throughout his life every single spiritual gift that there is to give. They're all from him. He manifested them all in his life. He was merciful. He showed hospitality, he served, he helped others, he was a leader, he was an administrator, he was a teacher, he was a healer, he was full of wisdom, he was full of knowledge, he was able to discern, I mean, on and on. He was every single gift wrapped up in one single person. And so when you get your spiritual gift, you know what you get? You get a little piece of Jesus, that's what it is, you get a little part of him. So if you take all the spiritual gifts... And you put them all together so they're all functioning as they should. They will symbolically form a picture of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is supposed to be. That's why, my friend, discovering and using your spiritual gift is so vital. Because when a local church, in harmony with Jesus uses the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given them. They give to a watching world a complete picture of who Jesus really is. That's the vitalness of it. Matter of fact, let me, let me illustrate it to you this way. Let's say you have a thousand-piece puzzle picture of Jesus. Okay, now I know. Some of you are sitting out there and already you're saying, oh, we're not supposed to have pictures of Jesus and all that. Just humor me. I'm using the illustration. Don't correct my theology. Just like my illustration, okay? My theology is good. My illustration's poor, but here's the illustration, okay? So you got this thousand-piece picture of Jesus. Okay, can you imagine that? You need every piece, you need every piece of those thousand pieces to do its part and fit where it needs to fit for that picture to be complete. Imagine what a thousand piece puzzle picture of Jesus would look like if 800 pieces were missing. 
Imagine what it would look like if, if 100 pieces of miss, were missing or 30 pieces were missing or even one piece was missing. It wouldn't be a complete picture. You, my friend, are a piece of the picture that makes Jesus look like he should to the world. I'm convinced, I'm fully convinced that the number one reason that people do not flock to Christ is not because the church is so bad at evangelistic techniques, but rather it is because the individual people of God are not functioning with their spiritual gifts the way God intended, and so the picture of Christ to the world is incomplete. It's incomplete. Now, that's the first purpose. The first purpose of spiritual gifts is to give a complete picture of Christ. Here's the second purpose. Spiritual gifts are given to benefit the church. We talked about that in our definition just a little bit. So again, go to verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, here's how the Holy Spirit reveals himself, manifests himself. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for, and get these last three words, the common good. That phrase, common good, means that which is mutually beneficial and advantageous. Spiritual gifts are not given primarily for your and my personal benefit. They're given for the church's benefit. Spiritual gifts help strengthen and build up each other. But in order for spiritual gifts to be fulfilling and beneficial to you and me, we got to use them in the order that they're given. In other words, the order they were attended, which is number one, to glorify God, number two, to build up the body of Christ, and then number three, the personal joy and satisfaction that I get. If I get up to teach you with my gift of teaching and my purpose is to benefit from that gift, that doesn't benefit you. But if I use my gift to benefit you, if I use my gift, number one, to glorify God. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. People have asked me before, are, are, do you ever get afraid when you preach? Are you ever fearful or timid when you preach? And I say to them, yes and no. I said no from the sense of if you're asking, am I afraid to get in front of people? No, I don't care how large the crowd is, how small the crowd is. People don't bother me. Matter of fact, the truth, I was talking to somebody, I think it was Robert down here. I, I, I said to him, you know what? I, I said, people, I get so engrossed in what I'm talking about that honestly, I think this is true. You could get up and walk out and leave and the church would be empty and i just keep right on talking. Okay? So I want my gift to glorify God first, but I want it to edify you. And when I use that in that order, guess what? It benefits. It benefits you. That's what Paul was writing to correct. See, people were using spiritual gifts and especially the gift of tongues to draw attention and build up themselves and the church was being divided and it was suffering. Three times in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul talks about the purpose of gifts edifying the body, building up the body. So understand something very important here, Christian friend. Your gift was given to you so that it might benefit someone else. And when you use your gift in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be a source of blessing and benefit to other believers. Can you imagine... Can you imagine what a church would be like? What a church would look like if everybody was serving for the benefit of everybody else and for the glory of God? Wow. What a powerful, powerful church. Well, let me conclude by saying this. 
I'm going to say something to you as a church body. I know you're in this transition. I know that you're wondering. Some of you are here just seeing how things are going to play out. Some of you are here because you're committed to one another. Uh, you're still a ways away from knowing who that shepherd's going to be that comes in and leads this church. But I want to say this to you. You do not have to wait. Please hear me, East Bay family. You do not have to wait for a pastor to get here to become effective, to become unified, to become joyous, to become blessed. What you do need to do is this. You need to start serving Christ by using your spiritual gift to build up the body of Christ here, to build up each other. As a matter of fact, look, if you think that you're going to pay a person to come in and do that, you're missing the truth of what the church is all about. You're missing the truth about the potential that each one of you has to glorify Christ, to edify the body, to find personal joy and satisfaction in serving because you're serving using the gifts that God has given to you. And you say, uh, well, geez, yeah, you know, Pastor Mike, I agree with you, but you know what? I, I don't know what my gift is, so I guess, I, I guess I'm just out. Look, I, let me just be blunt. You're not going to find out what your gift is by airmail. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is just simply this. There isn't going to be some package that falls out of heaven, hits you on the head, and all of a sudden a voice says, your spiritual gift has arrived. Please open. Here's how it works. Here's how it works. If spiritual gifts are for the body of Christ, the church, for other believers, for the people sitting all around you, then the greatest way for you to discover your gift is by starting to serve somewhere. And at some point, others will see or be the recipient of blessing that comes from you using your gift. And it will be the other believers who will help affirm the gift that God has given to you because it was for them. Your gift was for them. I've taken, how many of you in here, go ahead, just raise your hand. How many of you in here have ever taken one of those gift tests? Huh? Okay. Anybody flunk? No, I'm just kidding. Don't flunk. I've taken those gift tests. Okay, all those gift tests come up. You know what they say? I have a, my first gift, primary gift, gift of teaching. Okay, good. Is that why I think I can teach? Absolutely not. So I don't care how many gifts, I don't how many, care how many gift tests tell me that that's my gift. The reason that I believe I have the gift of teaching is because the body of Christ over the course of years has said to me, you know something, we learn something when you open up the Bible and teach it. You help make things understandable from the Bible. You, we see things that we never saw before when you teach that. So they affirm to me that that was my spiritual gift. The same will happen to you. Someone will say, you know, when you do that or when you say that or when you like that or when you serve like that or when you encourage like that or when you give time or whatever, you are such a blessing. I mean, you, you just bless in ways that you can't imagine. And all of a sudden, guess what? Boom, the light bulb will go on. You start thinking, well, wait a minute. Maybe my gift is giving. Oh, maybe my gift is encouraging. Maybe, maybe my gift is leading maybe my gift is helps and you'll be affirmed in that but you'll never discover it if you don't begin to serve I preached this this morning because I know that fall is coming and just as we heard Dave share 
ministries are starting up, right? Wouldn't it be great if the elders had to get up here sometime and say, folks, we've got to start more ministries. We've got too many people. Instead of starting ministries and saying, we ain't got enough. We ain't got enough. I'm going to use the Nike slogan on you, okay? Just do it. Just do it. Serve. Ask God. Where do you want me to serve? Don't even ask him first what your gift is. If you don't know your gift, just say, Lord, where do you want me to serve? And then ask him that through your serving, he'll reveal the gift that he's given to you. Amen? Amen.